0: Welcome to the discussion, Digital Discovery, the future of maximizing your return on data, sponsored by Hitachi Vantara Federal. Here's today's moderator, Tom Timman Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Dr. Pragyan Nayak. She's the Chief Data Scientist at Hitachi Vantara Federal, and also from Hitachi Vantara Federal, Gary Hicks, the Chief Technology Officer, and Carrie Connert, the Senior Director of Services and Delivery. And our topic today is data, data scientists getting the best use of data for federal agencies, how to best realize value from analytics. And why don't we start with the chief data officers themselves and their staffs, the data officers, what are their chief challenges for them and for the mission owners that this whole data operation is really designed to serve? Gary?
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having us on. Um, I think one of the things as I go out and talk to customers and other CTOs, the challenges that we tend to see are are really around getting access to industry tools in a quick manner. One of the things, you know, the typical government procurement cycle is 12 to 18 months. Um, If you look at it and data has such a short shelf life and, and its validity in a lot of times and quickness that they want to get to that, those tools and that data and use it. Um, And and what I see is a lot of agencies looking towards using things like OTAs, other transactional authorities to get quicker access, especially since a lot of the time, this is a research or, uh, you know, co-development activity with a lot of these data analytic challenges and use cases. Um, And I don't know, uh, Carrie, what you've seen in in the market as well.
2: Thanks, Carrie. You know, in addition to the procurement challenges, one of the other biggest challenges I've seen and I've heard in in talking with a lot of our mission partners is having the advocates, knowing who your advocates are that understand the value of the data and and those that can help you drive the the value out of that data. So it really goes down to, do you have the right people? Um, You need to have the people who not only understand the data you have, where it exists, where it lives, but also how to get the most out of that data. They need to have expertise to leverage the tools that are available or maybe identify tools that you need to get the data to work for you, so that you can map and curate the data effectively and get to a place where that data becomes actionable for you. Dr. P, I think, you know, what about from a technical perspective? Sure. Thank you. Thank you,
3: Gary and uh, and thank you, Tom, for having us. Um, Yeah, I mean, totally resonating with what uh, Gary and Carrie have mentioned, and from the technical side, what I've seen is um, they, there is a significant challenge in trying to map the mission and vision of an agency or a sub-agency to a specific data problem or a number of data problems. And this carries on even like when you start looking at a specific problem, um, it becomes uh, the so- solution becomes tools-driven rather than being problem-driven. So having a challenge in terms of being able to define why are you doing it? So understanding your why is more critical um, in terms of solution development. And that naturally leads to the the problem that exists that there is a um, lack of a shared language or there's a uh, challenge in having a shared language, which the technologists can talk to the stakeholders, to the decision makers and the the people who are actually using the system. Um, And that naturally there's a significant challenge with data curation and tagging and uh, the whole problem space around that.
0: Yeah, so the implication then is that this is not simply a problem that is choosing how to do the best data analytics for the chief data officers and their staffs, but it sounds like you really need to have the mission owners involved because the whys and the questions that we're trying to answer, what are we trying to achieve here, is something that belongs at that level, or at least that level has to be involved in, in getting to that, the right data and right data analytics.
3: Yeah, it, it becomes a, um, you've rightfully mentioned, like it becomes a decision engineering problem actually. Um, you need to understand uh, getting the data owners and the mission owners together so that they are using data science and analytics as a decision-making tool um, there that in turn leads to it becoming a systems engineering problem uh, that should take care that there is evolving scalability and resilience in the solution that you're developing. Um, And as you can imagine, data science by itself is made up of a number of things such as uh, starting from data visualization that you use like all through the different phases of a solution development uh, to advanced analytics like using machine learning, artificial intelligence, natural language processing. So based on the problem that you're trying to address, there are different components of the data science space that one needs to use. Um, Certain use cases where it has been very effectively used is uh, for example, the US Army is using it for the predictive maintenance of vehicles. Uh, NASA is looking at using it for um, the maintenance activities that is happening in the International Space Station. So things that will reduce the life risk that one puts the astronauts in, but being able to use certain type of robotic process automation in instant. Um, the uh, Caterpillar has used uh, uh, analytics and machine learning to get better at uh, optimized hull cleaning of the ships. Uh, They have found that if you do the cleaning more frequently, which you would think will add more cost, but instead it helps them save certain, uh, like half a million of dollar per year if they do it every six months compared to two years. Um, So you can see like there are certain things which are simple things, but can give you big returns. so Gary and Kerry, would you like to add certain? Yeah,
1: standards? yeah, I would. I, I, and I think your use cases are, and we've seen even more use cases in the you know, near past with the COVID and supply chain and management of all the vaccines. And, and you, you kind of talk about artificial intelligence. I, I, when I think of artificial intelligence, and all this data that's out there for those program owners, I think about it as in terms of broad analysis of all that data it's i kind of equivalent when you were a kid you go into 711 and you'd go to the soda machine and take you know a little bit from each one and and that's really what you're doing with ai you're taking all these data elements and just putting them together and see what comes out you know what trends you can see what you can identify and i think a lot of the challenges of the program managers they know they have the data but they don't necessarily know how to kind of put it all together and use that so and and, and i think it's finding the people are the real challenging places that Carrie can talk more about.
0: Yeah. Carrie, I was going to ask you in your visits and discussions with agencies as the director of services and delivery, do you find that those people needed to be involved in getting to the right solution are in fact involved, the program people, the mission owners?
2: Sometimes yes. And sometimes no, (laughs) it it all depends on, the environment. It depends on the organization. It also depends on um, the maturity of that organization in, you know, attempting to leverage the data and start analyzing the data and using it for effective decision making. A lot of these places that uh, a lot of the folks that I've talked to, the biggest hurdle is really knowing where to start. Where do you, you know, how do you understand the data that's in front of you and start to take what seems very overwhelming and very complex? to a place where you can get what you need out of it. So really it goes back to, you know, starting simple, starting with the data owners, you know, looking at data as a powerful and very valuable tool and deciding what is it that you're lacking? What are those big decisions that you need to make that you could really leverage more data, more information, um, better analytics to help you make those decisions? And then, you know, you start to look at, do I have the right people in place to drive that process, to drive that thinking? So not just, you know, you think about the decision engineering piece of it. There's the part of it that is understanding and and curating the data, but then it's what do you do with that data? How do you make the most of it and drive the analytics that you need that are going to help you then inform your decisions, you know, for whatever area of the business is necessary. And that that goes back to what Gary was talking about and what uh, Dr. P was talking about those use cases. It's really understanding what's out there and then applying what you need and then bringing it together. And it really depends on having those people with that insight and then the analytical abilities. Sometimes they're in the organization, sometimes they have to go outside or or hire and make it a priority.
0: All right. So that brings us back to one of the use cases that Dr. P described. I'd like to rewind it and maybe look a little bit closer at it. You said that by changing the frequency of hull scrubbing that the ship budget can be lowered by a half a million dollars a year. You know, it costs a billion dollars to keep a warship going. So every million counts. Tell us more about that. What kinds of data, for example, in a case like that would be coming into the to to the problem solving? And how did that whole analytical exercise work?
3: Sure. Um, Yes, definitely. So in that case, what they had done was they heavily utilized the sensors' measurements. Uh, The the ship has, you can imagine, thousands and thousands of sensors which are performing uh, all types of measurements and gathering the data on a continuous basis. So leveraging that data was the very first step where they used it to better understand as to what was the fuel efficiency and the various efficiencies in the ship's operation and then determining that if you do the cleaning on X schedule, what is the performance improvement that they're seeing versus doing it on a different schedule and that's when they identified and let me look at my notes because I do have the numbers where it said that um, so if they cleaned it every 6.2 months versus two years they were saving up to half a million per ship so you can imagine how that adds up when you have a fleet of ships in your um, maintenance schedule Um, and the additional advantage was that they use the same data to also understand the, uh, how efficient the generators were. And they realized that if they run more generators at uh, lower power, it is more efficient than running lesser number of generators at higher power. So these were the additional, uh, you can see the buildup of the data analytics advantages happening there.
0: Yeah. So the implication in a case like that is you have to be very careful of the assumptions that you bring in because they they could well be disproven. And so you can't start with kind of a preconceived or expected outcome to an analytic exercise. Correct?
3: Indeed. Indeed. And uh, Gary, would you like to uh, add some yeah. information in terms of- Yeah. The- I was just going to
1: kind of, it, Hitachi Vantara Federal is in a unique position because our parent. Parent company, Hitachi Limited, is the GE of Japan. They're 112 years old at this point. And and what they have is all that institutional knowledge around operational technology. So all these sensors that are on these ships, trains, MRIs, whatever it may be, if you look at our entire portfolio at the Hitachi Limited level, 963 companies. There's a plethora of data that they're used to dealing with. So they have historical knowledge and trends that they can build into these algorithms, knowing you know, the sensors of if we scrape the barnacles off the ship, we're going to get better generator life, better you know propeller life. We're going to get better fuel use. So they have this hundred years of technology history that they can rely on to really drive that use case and, and, and get quicker to the desired outcome that a company like Caterpillar is looking for.
0: All right. On that note, we'll take a short break. My guests today are Dr. Pragyan Zmita Nayak, the Chief Data Scientist at Hitachi Vantara Federal. Gary Hicks is the Chief Technology Officer. And Carrie Connert is the Senior Director of Service and Delivery at Hitachi Vantara Federal. And I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is Digital Discovery, the Future of Maximizing Your Return on Data, sponsored by Hitachi Vantara Federal, here on Federal News Network. Hitachi Vantara Federal is built to support your mission and vision. We empower federal agencies in the digital domains that matter most, the data center, tactical and strategic data operations, and digital transformation. We bring together an unmatched portfolio of edge-to-core-to-cloud infrastructure, AI, and analytics that enable our customers' digital missions and propel our nation forward. Let us accelerate your data journey from infrastructure to advanced analytics. Contact Hitachi Vantara Federal today at hitachivantarafederal.com. Welcome back to our discussion, the digital discovery, the future of maximizing your return on data, sponsored by Hitachi Vantara Federal here on Federal News Network. My guests today are Dr. Pragyan Zmita Nayak, the chief data scientist at Hitachi Vantara Federal. Gary Hicks is the chief technology officer, and Kerry Connard is the senior director of services. I'm your moderator, Tom Tamman. And before the break, we were describing a use case in the Navy where they found that thanks to data analytics and the right data sets that they could save money by cleaning ships more often rather than less often. And on that maintenance idea, huge effort, a huge uh, concern for the military, you have a really interesting case history based on Disney and one of their theme parks and what they were dis- able to discover. Gary, you wanna tell us more about yeah. that? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a really fascinating use case as most, me just like most of your listeners probably have been to Disney and moved around. And, and if you think about Disney, one of the great things that they're really good at is moving a lot of people. And if you think about the last time you went to Disney, there's very few rides that are broke down or, or, you know, they, people are waiting in line and they put the stanchions up to keep you out. Um, Hitachi Vantara is actually partnered with Disney to do predictive maintenance on some of their rides. Cause all these rides, just like the ships have sensors, all these rides have sensors. And and they can look at the, the temperature of the wheels, the, the temperature of the track. How you know? How many times has somebody buckled a seatbelt and start to look at these trends and analyze the sensor data to provide a really an, a predictive analytics or predictive maintenance recommendation so they don't lose rides. So they're not you know disappointing a lot of people. They're you know a couple thousand people in line for a new ride and having to shut it down because something broke. They can look at all this in the future and, and do that predictive maintenance just like the ship. And, and really bring it uh, a, a better experience to Disney and their customers.
0: Yeah, so that's really a mission critical situation then for the application of data science, because in the military setting or any federal setting, that idea of stoppage is something they really want to avoid at all costs. And sounds like they can avoid them at lower cost and rather than at all costs with the right analytics. Which brings me to the next question, and that is getting down to brass tacks. We've talked about the data sets, we've talked about how you have to kind of get your organization aligned to be able to begin to look at these questions. But there's also some technical aspects beyond the data sets, and that is the architecture of your data systems, where you stage these things, how you discover data, how you are able to support multiple users both operationally and in the data analytics realm. So let's discuss what are some of the best practices for the architecture of your systems that support data analytics.
3: Sure, that's that's actually one of the very first uh, questions you want to address as you are starting to uh, define the scope of what you are trying to solve using data science. Um, And here I may sound a bit repetitive from my earlier answers where I stressed on the importance of understanding the why a solution is needed and it being more problem driven rather than being tools driven. So it's very important to define the scope of what you are trying to accomplish just because uh, you can can go in multiple directions once you start working on a uh, data science focused problem, because there are definitely always lot of data from different domains, different uh, parts of your organization that is available, which can be combined as part of your solution, as well as there are multiple tools which can be leveraged for that purpose. So as you can imagine, this just becomes an exponential solution space where you can keep on trying. So it's very important to set objectives, as well as set interim milestones and what are the objectives associated with those interim milestones. Um, And also with having defined the scope, be prepared for surprises and bad news. Because as you do certain phases of your data science solution development, you will learn new things about the data and that may change the direction in which your project needs to go. So that is even more critical. Um, So it it may sound contradictory saying that define your scope and then be prepared for change. But that is the nature of how a typical data science project has, uh, uh, I've seen evolve uh, as we start getting more and more uh, insights and a more and more better understanding of where we are going with it.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you need to have a methodology that does not start with the newest and most sexy sounding tool, which you know can be enticing I think to IT people, but really you need to know your scope and then you need to architect your system and then the proper tool will maybe become manifest. That's you nailed
3: benefit. it. Yes, you nailed it. It's not just even, it's not just the tool, but also like there's certain buzzwords which uh, the decision makers and the stakeholders will hear and be like, how can we use this? And that is where they need to take a step back and say, what is the problem we are trying to solve? Uh, What are the intricate details around that? And how can that be mapped? Is that even a data science problem? First of all, if yes, then start looking at data science based solutions around it.
0: Sure. And Carrie, are you able to pull that out of agencies when you deal with them? Because they might be ready to sign on to a tool without really having a thorough understanding of what they hope to get from that tool.
2: Absolutely. And, and actually that happens more often than not, you know, the tool starts to drive the, the dialogue and you have to, you know, kind of dial it back a little bit, you know, and just expanding on what uh, Dr. P was, was talking about, you know, the, the scope is so important because the data problem can get so overwhelming and so complex that if you start too broad or you start to try to, you know, accomplish everything at once, it's going to become, you know, it's not going to be something that you can deal with without getting into the weeds and getting, you know, dragged down into the minutia. It's really important to think about it in, you know, as Dr. P mentioned, milestones, set phases, you know, um, things that are, you know, milestones that are digestible, achievable, um, avoid getting too complex, start simple. You know, I I mentioned that earlier. It's, It's really about, you know, I'll say it again to Dr. P's point of understanding the why. Start there. What are you trying to achieve? And then define the scope in a very uh, specific manner with an end game in mind. But also to Dr. P's earlier point, you know, you're going to have surprises. There are going to be changes. Be comfortable with that change and let it evolve. So once you start to set those parameters, that scope becomes, you know, kind of your guardrails. You, you define it, you stick to it, and then you let it evolve as you start to learn, you know, new things. As the data starts to unfold. And again, to your point, it's, you know, the, the tools, they may manifest in themselves. They may try to start with a tool, but once you do that, you start, you know, if you start with the tool, you're not necessarily um, you actually, I should say, you're limiting yourself to what that tool could potentially do instead of looking at the data and what you need to get out of it and finding a tool that's going to help you, you know, curate that data in a way that's going to be meaningful.
0: And Gary, from your point of view, as a CTO for Hitachi Ventara, then maybe agencies ought to think of this data discovery and data analytics exercise, not only as a process or an exercise, and not even just as a project, but maybe as a program in and of itself from what Kerry was saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a program in and of itself. And and, and what I kind of hear as well is, is, People are very possessive of their data. They, they have this, this, this is my data. But I think one of the things that we want to get to, and I think the federal, uh, federal space needs to get to, is, is collaboration and sharing of that data across agencies. And that's where that architecture that you put in place becomes even more important. So you have common standards between the different agencies. Um, and, and it's keeping the data in the right place with, you know, cloud first went to cloud smart. Now it's making sure the data is available for, Whoever needs it, regardless of its location, whether it's in your private data center on a private cloud or in the public cloud space, making that that data available to those cross-agency sharing, because there's a huge pool of data out there that we have to deal with. And I think it's important to have every aspect of that data lake, if you will, to, to really interpret the data appropriately for that use case that you're trying to address. All
0: right. Describe for me what context intelligence is and how that comes into the whole picture.
1: Yeah, I think that's important because um, really that that intelligence around the, the content and the objects that are in place, whether it's a structured database, uh, you know somebody's uh, social security record or, or somebody's phone call, whatever it may be, all that becomes interesting data if you look at it in the context of how you analyze it. And what I mean is, is, that object or, or that piece of data it has some relevant characteristics. But now if we start to look at the metadata around that, like, you know, where did they call? Who did they call from? Which, where do they live? We can start to tag that object with associated metadata. And Now we, we have this, this rich tapestry of data that surrounds this object that really tells us a lot more about it than just if we looked at that one specific object. This, you know, John Doe called in at 5 p.m. And, and we were able to satisfy his, you know, request for a check, whatever it may be. Now we can understand, oh, well, that agent takes a lot of calls, you know, they take more calls that day, the, you know, this person called in from a cell phone because it was this number, this exchange. So it's, it, it's really enriching that data. And that's one of the things that data scientists really kind of look at is, is not just the data, but that associated metadata around that object. So and Dr. P, if you want to kind of elaborate even more, you're, you're, you're the data scientist. So.
3: <laughs> sure, Gary, <laughs> would love to. I would like, like to add a little bit more context like uh, in terms of uh, the types of data which uh, one typically thinks of when we're talking about content intelligence is not just restricted to the tabular data or table formatted data that we are almost familiar with. Uh, but also uh, the unstructured data and semi-structured data, such as uh, looking at a log file, looking at an image, a video. Uh, It is not the image by itself, uh, which we are most interested in when we are talking about content intelligence. It is the metadata associated around it. When was it clicked? Who clicked it? Uh, What was the purpose of it? And so that your analysis of those unstructured data is not looking at the individual pixels of the image, but the context around it and getting related uh, information of maybe similar images that you're looking for um, and um, enabling that search and making it faster so that the volume of the data, uh, which has been a challenge always is uh, out of that equation of dealing with uh, these type of unstructured data.
0: Yeah, so to summarize, we've just got about a minute left, and really what is needed to tie this all together is what you might call data maturity on the part of federal practitioners. And quickly, what are the three steps that they need to do to get to a level, let's say, not of individual so much, but organizational data maturity? Anyone want to tackle that one? Kerry?
2: Sure, I can do that. Um, You know, in my experience you know and i'm i'm always dealing with the the business leaders and the, the people side of things you know in my day to day and and most important that that i see is recognizing the need and then aligning the right leader and the right team to drive the evolution of the data to truly mature it it shouldn't be a second day job it shouldn't be an afterthought or a secondary priority and something you do maybe you know in the time between meetings that you have it really needs it really needs time and attention and it needs that energy and that leadership. So having a chief data officer or someone to lead the data, the data effort, if you don't have the opportunity to, to, you know, have a CDO and then a team of data scientists to understand the tools, the environment, to get the most out of the data and, and perform the analytics, you know, and, and lastly, I would say controlled and secure data access. Most important, you need the, the data stewards and the data custodians to help you get the data you need, access it and analyze it for your
0: purposes. All right. Excellent discussion. I want to thank today's guests. We heard from Carrie Connert. She's the Senior Director of Services and Delivery at Hitachi Vantara Federal. Dr. Pragyansmita Nayak is the Chief Data Scientist at Hitachi Vantara Federal, and Gary Hicks is their Chief Technology Officer. I'm Tom Temin. You've been listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Hitachi Vantara Federal. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Digital Discovery, the future of maximizing your return on
2: data, sponsored by Hitachi Vantara Federal on Federal News Network.